Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bible Plus podcast. We're on Revelation chapter 20. And in the last few days, uh, we've seen the judgment on the Antichrist, the false prophet. We've seen the marriage of the Lamb, the judgment on Babylon. It's been pretty intense. And today we see the end of all negative things. It's an amazing chapter. I hope you get a chance to read this, uh, enjoy this. This chapter marks the end of time right before eternity begins in chapter 21. Marks the end of God's judgment upon this fallen universe. It marks the end of the main story of the Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, in between the two bookends of the Bible. And what we see is that Satan exits, sin is terminated, death is cast into the lake of fire, and there is no more curse after this chapter. So it's truly an awesome chapter. And what we're going to do is look at three main points. The millennial kingdom, number one. Number two, the last rebellion. And number three, the judgment at the great white throne. So pretty simple. These three points, we'll try to unpack them. Okay, so first we have the description of the millennial kingdom. And this is a literal 1,000-year period that will come in the future. These will be the last 1,000 years of time. It'll be called the age of the millennium. And it begins with Satan being bound and cast into the pit. And in Second Peter and in Jude and other places in the Old Testament talk about this place, the abyss, the heart of the sea, Tartarus, gloomy pits where angels are held in prison. So Satan will be cast there and in prison, and that will open the way for God to begin the restoration. The millennial kingdom will be unique because creation will be restored. Like it says in Acts 3.21, it's called the restoration of the times of the restoration of all things. So there's a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament about the Millennial Kingdom that give us glimpses into how wonderful and awesome it will be. But basically we could say that all creation, all created things will be restored. Things as simple as mosquitoes won't bother us. Probably there won't be any viruses. Animals won't eat each other. Um, The sun will be brighter. The wilderness will be no more. It will break forth as the rose. The dry land will become a place with springs of water. It will truly be an idyllic and wonderful place to be. And then the question is, so if that will be in the future, where will we be? So we will be resurrected, hopefully, before that thousand years or at the commencement of that thousand years to reign with Christ as kings. So Revelation 20 verse Uh, 5 and 6 talk about the best resurrection and it says blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection and this word for best and first in Greek is the same it's like the best robe in Luke chapter 15 so it is truly a blessing if we can participate in the best or first resurrection so that we can reign as kings and as God's priests for him and for that thousand years so then we need to also clarify that the thousand years will have not only a heavenly part where the overcoming believers will be, but an earthly part where the saved and proper Jews will be, and even surrounding the Jews of the God-fearing nations will be. These nations are the sheep, the sheep in Matthew chapter 25. So there will be these three main people groups, the Jews, the nations, and the reigning overcoming believers who are with Christ as kings. So, The fact that there is a first resurrection implies that there might be later resurrections. And the fact that it says that the those who have part in the first resurrection over these, the second death has no authority. That indicates that we do need to be careful how we live today. If we are not matured in our lifetime, 
And if we disregard Christ's salvation and instead live out selfish and fleshly desires our whole life, we shouldn't expect that in a in an instant we'll suddenly be matured and we'll be able to reign as kings at the resurrection. No, actually the Bible talks about different types of resurrection. John 5.29 talks about the resurrection of life and the resurrection of judgment. Luke 14 talks about the resurrection of reward. So there are these different ways we can understand resurrection. And Paul was hoping to attain to this out-resurrection. So if someone like Paul was hoping to attain to the resurrection in Philippians 3.14, how much more should we be sober? Should we be warned that since we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, and our works will be judged through fire, like it says in 1 Corinthians 3, that we would hope to be matured. We would hope that our work passes the test of fire so that we don't need to be disciplined by the Lord. And I believe that discipline by the Lord is what it means when it says that possibly some would be hurt by the second death. You know, the second death is the lake of fire. So the the being saved through fire, like it mentions in 1 Corinthians 3.15, might be what that refers to. Um, you know, even in this age, God uses the, you could say, precursors of death to discipline us and cause us to grow. Things like weakness, things like sickness, troubles, trials, all these things are under God's hand so that we would be caused and even helped to grow and to mature so that we're ready. And then if we are ready when we die, we'll be able to participate in that first and best resurrection. What a reward to us. So this is the millennial kingdom. Now, the second main point in this chapter is the last rebellion. And so after the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison and will go forth to deceive the nations. And the question is, why would God allow Satan to go out once again to deceive the nations? God already threw the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet into the lake of fire. Why didn't God just throw Satan into the lake of fire? Well, it turns out God knows that mankind, the nations surrounding the Jews, the the sheep in Matthew 25, even though they're under his direct rule for that thousand years, there's still a rebellious nature within mankind, which he has to clean up once and for all. So for this, he has to use Satan one more time. Satan goes out, deceives the nations. They come, surround the camp, but then fire comes down out of heaven and consumes them. Satan is cast into the lake of fire. And then finally he's removed. And finally the rebellious nature of mankind is removed. Sin is removed. And now comes the judgment at the great white throne. The last item in this chapter, heaven and earth flee away from the face of him who sits on that throne. Of course, that one is Christ. So that the universe, the, the heavens, the earth, they're over. And now it's the judgment for all the dead unbelievers throughout all time. And also the judgment for the demons, which is what it means when it says the, the sea gave up the dead in them. Then after their judgment, which they're judged based on their works, but they perish based on their unbelief in not being being in not being written in the book of life. After all of these negative things are cleared up and cleansed away, you could say they're all swept into the lake of fire. The lake of fire, you could say, is God's trash can. It's the universal trash can where all negative things are finally put. And that cleaning up paves the way for us to enter into eternity future in Revelation 21 and 22. So I hope you enjoyed reading Revelation 20 and you enjoy the that way that God cleans everything up. And I hope you're 
looking forward so much to the wonderful news of eternity starting tomorrow in Revelation chapter 21.